0: This is Battleground PA, a Live podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in the Keystone State and beyond that could shape how you vote in the 2024 elections. Hello, dear readers, viewers, listeners. It's great to be with you again. It's Joyce Davis, Live's outreach and opinion editor, coming to you with another episode of Battleground PA. This time we're shaking things up a little bit. Yeah, we have Jeffrey Lord here with us. You see him, but we have a new face. We have John Cole. Now, John is actually not new. He is uh, an old hand at Battleground PA because when we first started this this, uh, podcast in the 2020 elections, John was one of our regular guests. But now we're going to mix it up between John and Jeffrey Lord. So welcome, guys. It's glad to have you here.
1: Good to be here, wherever yes. here
0: is, <laughs> Yes, yes. And John, I just want to remind them: is a reporter. And he's covering, actually, a specialty is Pennsylvania politics, which I hope to get into a little bit more today. He's a Pennsylvania a reporter for the Pennsylvania Capital Star. So let's jump into it. Jeffrey is more national and John is more uh, Pennsylvania. So this is going to be a very good conversation. Jeffrey, how are you feeling about the verdict? Um, that's a lot of money, Jeffrey. It really is a lot yeah. of money what but you think it'll have any impact whatsoever?
1: Yes, in reverse, okay. Uh, I think one of the things we have learned, and I confess I'm as surprised at this as anybody anybody else, but the more his enemies go after him in a legal setting, the higher his polls go. and when I saw this, I thought is is Eugene Carroll really part of his reelection committee. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, this is, this is just mind blowing stuff. And uh, I think all it's going to do, I mean, t- to take sort of a larger view of this, I think one of the underlying issues here that have been expressed in his candidacy right from the get go is average Americans versus an establishment. And I think that every time something like this happens, Uh, the American people, millions of Americans at least, see this as the establishment going out to get him, and as he likes to say, uh, he's in the way of them going after them. So I really do think there's an underlying political issue here, and it's a very big deal that I think is going to backfire.
0: Well, I hear what you're saying, but remember... We're talking about average Americans, not average Republicans, right? We're ta- So I think, it, I mean, I'm hearing some other murmurings out there. John, I don't know if you want to weigh in on this, but I, I see that it is going up in the polls with the Republicans, but there's another whole constituency out there. John?
2: Yeah, so to Jeffrey's point about, I guess, um, uh, when opponents, uh, you know, uh, go after Trump, it backfires. Right now, we don't have any Pennsylvania polling just yet. So I guess... I'm curious to see when the next time it comes out, and we've already seen a bevy of polls for the 2024 cycle over the past several months, and uh, don't you worry, we're going to see a ton more considering how (laughs) crucial Pennsylvania is going to be in this whole 2024 election who will determine, you know, ultimately determining who will be uh, occupying the Oval Office, but we haven't seen any polling yet since this verdict. So I am going to be curious to see if there's going to be any significant shifts, but thus far... All the polling that I've seen thus far it's it's really neck and neck between Biden and Trump. Now I know the primary process is still playing out mm-hmm. but as of right now it really has been shaping up to be a two a candidate race. Well, let,
0: let, let's talk about that. I mean, Jeffrey Haley, she's still here. She's going to be here it seems for a while. What what's your take on that? Do you really think she's going to stay in through the long haul or she's just not going to get out before South Carolina maybe? What do you oh, think? Oh,
1: she's not going to get out before South Carolina. But you know, if she loses South Carolina and loses it badly, this is her home state. And losing your your home state in a race like this, that's not good. I mean that really that really what I mean, I can just see it and and both of you can see this. All the political folks will be out there on television saying the obvious if she can't carry her own state of South Carolina, how can she be expected to beat Joe Biden, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I really do think she's got a problem on her hands. I am the first to admit I don't understand all the ins and outs of South Carolina politics. But it, it didn't escape my notice, and I'm sure not yours either, that uh, when Donald Trump held a New Hampshire rally, at his side was the incumbent governor, lieutenant governor, speaker of the House, etc. which says to me they're not feeling any pressure to support Nikki Haley at home in South Carolina.
0: Now, that's really weird. Go ahead, John.
2: And just to just to piggyback off of Jeffrey's point, I mean, even Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, Thank who God. was yeah, who was appointed by her to fill that position, um, was also right behind Trump uh, after his victory in New Hampshire, which I guess created a bit of an awkward moment when oh, Trump God. talked about yes. um you talked about Tim Scott endorsing him saying "I uh, uh, paraphrasing here, but I believe his words were you must really hate her. Scott, of course, jumping up there, trying to I guess I love you. (laughs) Exactly. But to Jeffrey's point, I mean, Trump has really coalesced most of, you know, uh, South Carolina Republicans behind him. And all the polling that we've seen thus far also indicates that Trump certainly has an advantage over Haley in her home state there. Um, But it seems that Haley's been pretty clear thus far that she's not dropping out of the race before then and could stay in there longer. I know she did an interview this past uh, weekend on uh, NBC's Meet the Press with uh, Kristen Welker. And she talked about how she's, you know, she said there's only been two uh, states that have voted thus far. And I guess she's made the case that even though she's lost both states and Trump has won both, there's still a lot more out there. So it, as of now, it doesn't seem like she's bailing out. Having said that, though, a couple more defeats, I don't know, uh, you know, what her problem You know, I
0: sometimes is. think that maybe these folks think that by hook or by crook, somebody's going to get Trump thrown off the, uh, uh, like one of these uh, court cases will keep saying he can't be on the ballot. Maybe they're thinking that and then the last woman standing will be the candidate, right? Is that is that at all feasible, Jeffrey?
1: No, I don't think, you know, I, I think there's only two markers here. Uh, I think one of them is uh, what they call the mother's milk of politics. That would be money. And (laughs) the other is delegates. And the magic number is 1,215. If at any point, which I think could happen soon, I mean, Mm. it'll be one thing in the beginning for her to be behind in delegates. But if her donors start to walk away from her, you can't run for president with no money. (laughs) And uh, that sure. that can, that can prove fatal to her campaign. Yeah.
0: But honestly, John, I mean, I, as I look at it, Nikki might be a better candidate in the general election. I mean, I think a young, vibrant woman—you know—up uh, against Joe Biden, that might that might be a whole different scenario. I don't know. What do you think?
2: I mean, I guess that's that's the case that she's made to the electorate thus far. But having said that, at least Republican voters, and she's yeah. the one she needs to win over first before getting going to the general again for any no matter what party you're to get to the general you need to get well past said. The and
0: well the thing said. is
2: even though she's made that case that she is a younger candidate and has you know experience of being a governor a former UN ambassador despite that you know impressive resume the republican electorate at least for the first two states now again we'll see if there's any sort of seismic shift in the next few weeks or month or so but as of now like jeffrey said all the polling seems to indicate it's a two person race and I just want to even kind of piggyback off that to tie into Pennsylvania real quick is that I've talked to a number of Pennsylvania elected officials and they're already essentially thinking it's a two- person race yeah. Too. Yeah. last Friday last Friday I was at um, I was in Philadelphia at, uh, at Senator Bob Casey who's running for re-election this year. I was at one of his campaign events and afterwards I had the chance to ask him a question there's a group of reporters there. And asked him about, do you think it's a two-person race between Biden and Trump? And he responded saying it looks that way already. Mm-hmm. I saw, uh, I talked, um, I was with a group of reporters at the Pennsylvania Farm Show a few weeks ago. And Governor Shapiro also basically said he was pretty confident it's going to be between Trump and Biden. So we're seeing all these kind of the statewide elected officials on the Democratic side. Republicans are already kind of saying the same thing. And, and even one other person to add on that. State Senator Sharif Street, uh, a Democrat from Philadelphia, who's the chair of the Philadelphia Democratic Party, or excuse me, the Pennsylvania Democratic Party, uh, he also said it seems like the general election is coming early this year. Which I want <laughs> to hear what Jeffries to say about that. But even people on the Democratic side, they're all railing behind Biden. We're kind of seeing them, uh, you know, all, at least all the Pennsylvania Democratic Party is certainly united behind Biden, and for the most part, it seems like Pennsylvania Republicans are as well because you have. Of the get this of the eight members of Pennsylvania's Republican uh, congressional delegation, six of them thus far have already endorsed Trump. Mm. Only two have yet to endorse, and it's not like they endorsed Taylor; they just haven't endorsed yet. One of them is Representative Brian Fitzpatrick, who represents a Trump uh, a Biden district. So maybe yeah. he might not, just because politically speaking, I don't know if that's. Uh, a wise move to do so, because, again, he represents the suburbs of Philadelphia, and that's not exactly Trump territory, at least no, in the pay- not
0: exactly. Not exactly, yeah. I and the, you're uh, saying, that people yeah. seem to be rallying, or just picking sides now because they think, but the point you made mm. just a while ago is right. You don't know what's good. Anything could happen, mm. right? I, I've just said, keep your bets. I, I'd say wait a little bit. Just wait a well, little bit. And jo- and Joyce, Joyce, I would add the, yeah. the
1: indication of just how important our beloved Commonwealth is. Um, oh, it,
0: we're important, yeah,
1: yeah. Here, here comes Donald Trump to Harrisburg on February ninth. Yeah. yeah, I am driving home from an appointment, my dentist appointment, from with an old friend my, who's my dentist up in in Wyoming County, and I'm on eighty-one South. And when you go around Scranton and all yeah. this, you see this big sign, big green highway sign that says the President Joseph R. Biden Expressway. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Between between Joe's expressway and Donald's uh, trips to Harrisburg, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of these two We're people. In the center
0: of the universe. Yes, Isn't yes. But not... All right, go ahead. One more point on this because we got to get to Featherman. Go ahead,
2: John. Yeah, just quickly Ed, to piggyback off of Jeffrey's point again, uh, Trump will be in Harrisburg next week. That'll be an interesting uh, speech. Yeah. I plan on covering that. But, you know— th- Not only is Pennsylvania's primary a few months away and Trump's already going to be in the state then, uh, President Biden has been in Pennsylvania three times already, and you know he made three visits to Pennsylvania in January alone. On the eastern part of the state, though, might I add, uh, one visit to Philadelphia on MLK Day. Um, He was in the uh, Lehigh Valley, which is a battleground region of the state as well, talked to small businesses a few weeks ago, and then his first campaign speech was uh, I think around January 6th, and I guess he talked about a democracy speech. Uh, in the Philadelphia suburbs. So, point being, we're, we, may, we may be a few months away from the Pennsylvania primary, and of course, several months away from the general. But both people at the top—you know, people who are at least viewed currently as front runners for their nomination—are not wasting time uh, nope. getting acclimated oh. with the Keystone State.
0: No, we we are the center of the universe. I I believe that, you know. And you guys are going to be very important because your opinions are going to count. <laughs> but let's let's talk a little bit about um, the impact. Like we talked about things happening that will have an impact. Look at the look at the Middle East, right? It's its impact, and look at what Fetterman. I mean, Fetterman's coming under some some heat, as is Joe Biden for some of the things they're saying and some of the stances. How, what are your thoughts on that, Jeffrey? Is that what 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 role is all of this the international playing in the in the national?
1: Well, anything can happen when you. I mean, in terms of an outside event, meaning foreign yeah. policy. Uh, not to date myself, but in 1964. When I was in uh, (laughs) junior high school, paying attention to the Johnson-Goldwater race, and and LBJ was, you know, thought to be well ahead, which turned out to be the case. However, what momentarily caught everybody's attention was that China exploded its first nuclear bomb. Wow, that got headlines. (laughs) that yep. was used by the Johnson people to feed into. You can't have Barry Goldwater in the White House because he's trigger happy and all that kind of thing. But I mean, it was out of the blue. And my yep. point is, yep. we, we have seen two out of the blue situations in foreign policy in the last couple of years. One was Putin invading Ukraine, and the second yep. is Hamas uh, going into Israel. Lord mm-hmm. only knows, so to speak, and I don't mean me. Uh,
2: That's right, John. That's why I say hold your bets because this world is
0: unstable right now. Go ahead, John. You you're, you want to say something? <laughs>
2: you're you're 100 right, Joyce. Is that again? I you're right to take a step back. We are several months away into Jeffrey's point, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was that the ad. Uh, what was that? The Daisy yes. ad from '64. Yeah. Yes. I know. I know much before much <laughs> before my time, but I I do know He's older than he looks. <laughs> but um, having said that, the though. Daisy
1: ad to explain to. Uh... Our viewers who may not be familiar had a little girl sitting in a daisy field plucking the petals from a daisy, and she was she was counting backwards, you know, ten, nine, et cetera. And all of a sudden her voice and her image disappeared. And you heard a male announcer going, seven, six, five, four, and then they got to one in a big mushroom cloud. And then the caption said something like, vote for President Johnson. <laughs> it was yeah,
0: great. Yeah. And, and, and the story is that ad only ran once. Exactly. I didn't realize that. I've seen it so many times. I didn't know it. run. Well, it, it, anyway, we can see anything can happen. Let, let's move on, though. I want to really Johnson. get into Pennsylvania politics. Go ahead, John. You want one more thing on that? Go ahead. No,
2: just one very final thing and how so much can change it. We really don't know what tomorrow holds. We'll see what big political stories break. and. Four years ago, the first time I joined this podcast, uh, I remember you know it was very fun. And uh, I believe it was February of 2020. Went to the studios and we were talking about the big theme from both parties. And at that time, it was the economy uh, from Republicans talking about Trump's economy, and then Democrats talking about health care. And then a few weeks later, you know, the coronavirus pandemic happens um, in the sta- you know in the states, and that totally changed the dialogue. So I mean, to to be clear, we don't true. know. We don't know what, again, whether it's a foreign uh, affair that might uh, impact voters or it could or, be something in this. Or state. another
0: pandemic.
1: You're so absolutely true. One other quick thing all of this issue about the border and security, if yeah, in yeah. fact we have some terrible thing happen, terrorist incident in America, because caused by somebody coming over undetected from the border, that right there will be a, a, a big issue.
0: Well, you always have to worry in any administration, though, about terrorism and about all of that. Unfortunately, that's those are the times we live in. But uh, let, let's get I don't want to waste time here because we do want to talk a little bit about the congressional races. I'm getting ready to work with uh, Penn Live will be partnering with uh, some York papers and WITF to do a congressional uh um forum for the district 10 and there's been some interesting developments there jeffrey there's a challenger it looks like to uh to scott perry and he says i mean he said some pretty harsh things about perry he says he's offended by him uh I mean, yeah, and He says I'm offended by him, and he is telling himself. I'll read you a little bit of what he says. Telling himself is far more moderate. Um, he's he says that he is um, you know, I, his stances are, are are kind of moderate, even with regard to gun control and gun laws. He is um, he's just a different kind of candidate going after a different kind of voter. It sounds like he's sixty-eight years old. Um, and he is John. Henry Newman. Now, this is somebody I don't know if everyone else knew, but it seems to me he came out of the blue. John, what, what do you know about John Henry Newman, the Republican
2: challenger to Perry? So he just announced his candidacy a few weeks ago. So yeah. quite frankly, this is one of those like, like you said, Joyce, to your point, this wasn't a candidacy we knew about months ago. This kind of just right. popped out out of nowhere. Um, of course, Congressman Perry has represented you know that central PA district for a decade uh now, now it's the 10th Congressional District. He's the former chair of the House Freedom Caucus, uh, the conservative caucus in Congress. So he has some national poll. Um, he's certainly influential in that caucus. This challenger of his is claiming that he's more a moderate Republican. So yeah. we'll see, I guess, what the Republican electorate in PA ten wants there. Having said that, again, since this candidate is jumping in late and Perry already has a obviously a bigger war chest with, you know, he's had been in office for quite a few terms that he's raised a good amount of money at this point. So we'll have to see, uh, you know, when the campaign finance reports are, we'll see, you know, if this guy's raising money and we'll see if the voters of that 10th district, do they want a more, the Republicans, I mean, of course, registered yeah. Republicans for the primary, do they want a more moderate Republican on the ballot in November or do they want Perry? That remains to be seen, but it's interesting that he does now have a primary challenger.
0: Yeah. And Jeffrey, uh, Trump is endorsing Perry, right? He was, they were all together. I, I,
1: I really expect that Scott Perry is going to win this. I mean, one of the things that I've, and I know it for, for the record, one of the things that I know is that he really does pay close attention to his district. Mm-hmm. And having worked in the long ago for Congressman Bud Schuster, uh, wow, you know, that district at the time, it was the, uh, I forget, the ninth district, I guess it was called, and it was uh, nine and a half counties. Uh, in, in the district, including a good part of Cumberland. And I can tell you having been a young staffer for him, wow, old Bud worked that, himself to the bones every day in terms of his constituents so that when he got a challenge he just clobbered them. And his most notable one, which I think back with some fondness, was uh, the act Nancy Culp, I think her name was, who played Miss Jane Hathaway on the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, I remember was- her <laughs> She was a she was no, a genuine no. she was a genuine Hollywood celebrity. Yeah, but she had roots in the district, so she came back challenged, but she was just, she got all kinds of publicity and got clobbered in the end.
0: Oh my goodness! Well, well, I I hear what you're saying, but you know we're talking about the Republican, but the Democrats really do feel this is the time to go after Perry, and they feel like go ahead, John, you want to chime? In? They have a lot of people going after him.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting, And Joyce. I saw you there. the 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 tenth congressional yeah. district. They had their first candidate form a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, right now, there are eight Democrats trying to unseat Perry. It seems every other day there's another one joining. So, who knows? At <laughs> the end of this episode, maybe another one will jump in. Yes,
0: <laughs> who knows? Who knows? That's a lot, though. Yes. Uh, but, but it does look like they believe this is their chance.
1: Democrats. <laughs> one other thing that history records: if there is. Any kind of a landslide on either side at the national level, that can sweep in all kinds of members of Congress in various districts where they might not ordinarily win, or yeah. it reinforces the ones that are there. So yeah. we're quite a ways from seeing that. But when I look back at, in history at things like uh, Lyndon Johnson in 1964,
2: Ronald Reagan in 1980, uh, wow, the undertow can be significant. Yeah. And maybe not a perfect comparison, but to agree with Jeffrey there, I mean, in 2022, Democrats had a pretty good year in PA. Uh, Josh Shapiro won by double digits and over Doug Mastriano to win uh, to become the next governor. And then John Fetterman won the open seat over Mehmet Oz to be the next U.S. senator taking over That's the seat right. free, so by Pat Toomey. And their co- those coattails are real. This is not to discredit others for winning their races. I'm sure Jeffrey's agreeing. We're not discrediting those candidates. Whoever they may be winning in a in a you know an election year that's kind of viewed as a wave, but Democrats were able to take the state house back as a result of that. Uh, you know, in twenty twenty two, and they made gains elsewhere too. So,
0: well, yeah, you know, I mean, we we talk about even Dauphin County. Dauphin County hasn't been had a majority Democrat in what hundred years or so, and suddenly that's the case. Someone out of the blue, a pastor, a little pastor comes out of the blue and wins. Right? I mean, who who, who could have guessed that one? Right?
2: Sure. So, you're right, and I think the one thing that's also be, – will be interesting to see, the Biden-Trump – well, I get – Biden, we'll see who the Republican is. We'll see how the presidential matchup exactly is, but uh, we'll see if it's a close matchup. How will it impact also the U.S. Senate race in Ooh. Pennsylvania? Because Ooh. right now we know, again, uh, the margin – there's really not much margin for error for Democrats in 2024 for these U.S. Senate races because they have uh, a, not exactly a favorable um, – Environment for them in the sense that uh, Democrat West from West Virginia, Joe Manchin, is not running for re-election, so Republicans already think they're probably going to flip that seat. Uh, Sherrod Brown in uh, Ohio, that is a, is a state that used to kind of be purple. Now it's been trending red. He has to defend his seat. So there's a couple areas where Republicans feel confident, and we'll see what the matchup is like in Pennsylvania, but right now Senator Casey is going for another term. In the US Senate. And we'll see who the Republican is right now. The front runner is David McCormick, who tried to run in 2022. He did not get the nomination. He lost by less than a thousand votes over Oz. It was like the slimmest of margins. But Trump, in that last second endorsement, he backed Oz, and that got, I think, enough Republicans on board. And I guess Jeffrey can see it now. It seems as though Republicans have taken a different approach this cycle as opposed to last time in 2022, it was a crowded primary and it was an all-out fight for the nomination. This time, it seems like they're pretty much coalescing.
0: They're uh, elbowing people out. They're going up and offering them something, money to get out of the races. (laughs) Ask Miss Lake.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I was at the state committee meeting, not, not, I guess, the recent one, but the one before that, where it was quite clear that the vast majority of state committee members Wanted to endorse Dave McCormick, which they did do, And, you know, mm. he's it. He's the nominee without question.
2: Just to let you know, there have been Republicans that have jumped in. Again, I understand that McCormick has the, uh, a, a, again, he had an impressive fundraising quarter and Q4 even outraised uh, Senator Casey. And McCormick is wealthy in his own right, even donated a million dollars of his own money to his campaign. So certainly.
0: I wish we could do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, here's a million. Exactly. But one Republican did jump in, a local official in Lancaster County named Brandy Tomasetti. And it's it, one thing that's interesting that I, I do want to keep an eye on, I'm actually curious for Jeffrey's perspective on this because he was at the state committee meeting. Um, Brandy Tomasetti, who I believe is in her early 30s, she's a local official in Lancaster County. She claims to be, and this is her words, I interviewed her a few weeks ago, she called herself a MAGA Republican, basically made the claim that McCormick wasn't truly you know, um, supportive yeah. of Trump. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's interesting, and I'm curious where... Jeffrey, you've seen it where uh, most of Pennsylvania Republicans have rallied around Trump, like the State Committee, etc. But David is taking – you know, McCormick at this point is taking a different approach. On a press call with reporters a few weeks ago, which I was on, he said he wasn't going to endorse a candidate during the primary. He said whoever the Republican nominee is, he'll support, where you have this challenger of his who again comes in with – lessening recognition and not nearly the money that McCormick will have and at a huge disadvantage. But she's kind of making the case that, you know, McCormick's not really MAG. And I'm curious what you think, uh, Jeffrey. Yeah. Is that something we're seeing played out in Republican circles? Are there concerns about McCormick and, you know, the quote of, is he being MAG? I'm just curious.
1: I don't think so. As I often say, uh, Pennsylvania ain't Vermont. Sometimes, and, and we have seen plenty of politicians they have to run and lose before eventually they can run and win. Mm-hmm. Thinking of Bob Casey Sr. and Arlen Specter as two prime examples of that. You know, it was over and over and over again. Win here, lose there, lose again, lose again. And then finally they, they get it. So Dave McCormick is following in that in that path. And I just don't think his, his opponent has the money or the name recognition, which is what you need. And we're now uh, – about to go into February, one more month after
0: that, and then we're on into primary month. So, you yeah, know, it's a roller coaster. It, hard. Yep, we're we're full steam ahead. But I wanted to talk just a tad. We got about a minute or so to about Summer Lee and the money that she's raising in District 12 race. John, you want to fill us in on what's going on there?
2: Sure. So I know we spent some time talking about you know the the crazy Democratic race in PA 10. Let's not forget on in Western PA, uh, Representative Summer Lee, who represents the 12th congressional district. It's Pittsburgh. Um, might include a little bit of Alga uh, other parts of Allegheny County, but either way, she is running for re-election. However, she does have a primary challenger, and Q, uh, Q from Q4 numbers, uh, Summer Lee had her strongest quarter to date. She uh, reported raising million. a million dollars. Million bucks. And yes, her, her uh, they just had a debate last Sunday, um, between her two primary challengers, Lauren uh, Laurie McDonald and Bhavani Patel. Uh. During that debate, again, Lee has talked about she's in her first term in office, so that's why she has a couple primary challengers. She's more on the progressive wing of the party, so I guess both candidates are saying they're more, I guess, quote, moderate Democrats, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, But either way, yeah, I mean, Lee had a substantial quarter. Patel raised, I believe, over three hundred thousand, which is certainly nothing to sneeze at. That is an impressive number in its own right. But having said that, uh, Lee raised an impressive number there, so it's uh, an interesting. Are are Republicans
0: confident in District Ten, Jeffrey? Do you know? Out there, uh, I think it's too soon to say,
1: you, I, I, I think that a lot of this is going to depend, frankly, on the top of the ticket. If there is a surge, a Trump surge, and he's popular in Western Pennsylvania, that can help the Republican without question. If that isn't there, then I think the thing that leans in her favor.
0: Okay, well, you know what? We're going to have to leave it there, but we're going to applaud John Cole for coming in and bringing his expert knowledge of Pennsylvania politics. We needed that shot in the arm, John. Thank you so much. And Jeffrey, you're a yeoman for leaving a dentist appointment and then joining us here to debate and talk about the 2024 election. So we are still. (laughs) Well, you did well. You definitely talked. So thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week on another episode of Battleground PA. Bye-bye, everybody.